Steve, good morning. How's it going, man? <laughs> Another uh, beautiful day of uh, COVID-19 quarantine, man. <laughs> Hanging better, out with family. You better yeah. buckle down and prepare for a few more at least. Yeah, yeah. It's going to run out for a while, man. I just, uh, I just jumped on uh, Instagram this morning and saw someone post something that Alaska's closed all spring bear hunting. And it was like on April 1st. I was like, oh, okay, that was a joke because right. I saw something pop through. Actually, yeah, yesterday I saw something pop through that Idaho was uh, like making all their grade school kids like repeat their year or something like that. Uh-huh. And first I saw it, you know, it caught me. Obviously, like, holy crap, that sucks. And then, <laughs> oh, wait, it's April Fool's. But no, it's like no joke. I, I got on Fishing Games website and there's a document on there for Alaska. They're closing spring bear seasons. And then, you know, I start to think about it and, um, like just our caribou hunt, like up in Kotzebue, like if, if some non-resident hunter flew in there or even a, a resident hunter flew in there and got, you know, one person sick, it would go through that small little native town, like wildfire, you know, mm-hmm. um, about hospital stuff. I mean, it touched like without the hospital, you know, up there, they'd be flying people. It'd just be a mess. Um, so it's, uh, Man, talk about a tough decision, but oh, I, I guess I can understand it. It just, I'm especially sure if you're a resident up there, you got to be pretty pissed off because if they shut down Idaho spring bear seasons, I, yeah, I would uh, not be happy. So hopefully it's just, um, you know, Alaska's unique and that everyone's got to fly and go into these kind of remote villages and as a general rule. Right. Um, hopefully that doesn't apply to these lower 48 states. I know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when I first yeah, heard that, I was I was surprised. But it's a, when you start thinking about it with Alaska, it makes sense. It's so dispersed. There's so many people that are probably untouched by this. And so there's a high risk of, you know, creating that exposure. Yeah. And then medical care up there in those remote places is tough deal, man. So it does make sense. But it is. And then at first I had the thought, I was like, well, I could see doing that for non-residents. But then when you think about it, as you mentioned, so many residents on Alaska they're flying to hunt, man. Like they're going to different parts. Alaska's it's so big, so vast. Um, there's a ton of travel just among residents for hunts. And I'm sure there's a, you know, a pile of guys that got to be just, you know, they were probably loading up to go hunt here this weekend or something like that. And they're just flying straight from the airport in the town. They're out, out into the field and they're not going to endanger anybody. And those guys, I mean, they, yeah, understandably so got to be irate, but mm-hmm. unique yeah. times that we're living in. Yeah, it's tough when it's one of the, you know, especially for for us personally and for our audience, like we want to, If it's like, okay, if stuff shuts down, at least let me get out and use the time to explore, to do whatever, whether that's hunting, whether it's spending time with family. And, you know, even around here, we were, uh, the kids, my kids are supposed to be on spring break next week before this whole mess happened. Uh, Obviously, they're off of school. So we were planning on camping during spring break anyway. And you know, at first, like our state park shut down for camping. And then uh, I was like, oh, okay, no factor. Like there's other areas. There's um, the Ozark National River Scenic Way here is amazing country, gorgeous. And it's run uh, federally and they remained open. So uh, that's actually where we're planning going anyway. And they've since shut down uh, both campgrounds with facilities as well as backcountry camping. So it's like all these places are shutting down you know, it's, it's tough if, if it's going to keep you from getting outdoors, especially when you're just generally trying to get away from people, uh, and you're considering what the risk is there. It's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
let's get let's on see what to uh, let's hit, let's hit some more questions. Got some good feedback, some more good questions. So, uh, guys, as always, you can keep those coming. Just send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. This is one that uh, came in that I don't. I think we've talked about in passing, but we haven't hit too much. And it is, um, you know, an exo question, but probably applies to packs in general. This guy writes in and says, I plan to train a few days a week from now until September with a pack on with weights ranging from 25 to 55 pounds. For the weight, I intend to utilize sand. My question is this, should I use my exo frame for this, again, three to four days a week, or should I utilize another frame specifically for workouts and only use my exo for hunting? I'm ordering an XO regardless. I just don't want to damage it. Thoughts there, Steve? Um, he's not going to damage it. Uh, <laughs> they're lifetime warranty packs, and you can beat the ever-living crap out of them. Um, so there's no concern there. I do encourage people just to use a um, – if buy a crib accessory and then just attach the sand direct to the frame with the crib and then leave your bag at home um, just because you're not – going to be using the bag at all and not that i you know absolutely load it up load the bag up at times and hike with it but um i guess for me i like 99 percent of the time i have a loaded pack in the back of my truck with a sandbag in it um and it's just back and it's in my truck all the time right um and so i just put it face down uh with so it's basically the crib is like in between the bed of the truck and the bag of sand. And then that way, you know, it's not your actual bag that you just spent, you know, $600 on. That's just getting beat up every time you're driving down the road. Um, you know, with just friction in between like that 70 pound sandbag sitting on top of it. So, um, for actual, like when you're out hiking, it wouldn't, you know, be, it wouldn't matter at all. Just be that riding around in the truck. Uh, the only thing that I could say is and this just applies to anybody who uses the, the, their pack a pile is um, we can replace the lumbar pad for them. So this guy, not an issue, but if he hiked, if you hike five days a week for an entire year, um, the, the foam that we use in the lumbar pad um, does break down over time. All foam does. Um, so it'd be uh, for guys out there listening that have an older K2 and they've used it a ton. Uh, and I'm talking like a lot. If you're a guy who just, you know, it sits in your garage nine months out of the year and you use it three months out of the year, it's, you know, not going to matter. But for, for somebody like me, that's hiking, you know, three, four days a week year round, um, you can, we can replace that lumbar pad for guys. Um, it's not a product we have on the website, but if you email us, we could sell you one. And that does help that you'll get, you'll kind of get some renewed performance of how it feels on your lumbar or lower back there in your lumbar. And, um, that, uh, yeah, that stuff does wear out over time. So, um, other than that, yeah, there's nothing. I would not be worried about anything. Beat the crap out of it. Hike with it, um, and you're, you're not gonna do any damage to it. So, uh, and, I, and I encourage we, we you know we encourage people in a lot of regards to to train with what you're gonna hunt with, right? Um, so, uh, and there's a balance there. Of, like if I find a pair of boots that are just absolutely dialed in and perfect, um, I've gotten them broken in or whatever. Um, then yeah, then just. I'd probably set those aside and not wear them every day out hiking so that you're not breaking them down faster. But um, yeah. Is that your just attempt at throwing the B word in the podcast there, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I should have said running shoes. Uh, put the wrong word in there too. Uh, uh, um, I did 
Oh, never mind. We'll get up. We'll, we'll save that for another day. We'll hit it another day. We even have more butte questions, but we're not going to get to it today. <laughs> um, yeah, only a couple things to add to that. Uh, this guy mentioned he's using sand for weight, and I would just recommend that wholeheartedly. Um, one thing you want to avoid if you're training with a pack is just, and this is common sense, but it comes up a lot, um, is guys who just grab a dumbbell or something like that and strap it to the frame. And that might be okay if you're using one of the rubber ones, but I would just be really careful if you're grabbing a standard uh, cast dumbbell. A lot of times those are going to have imperfections on them um, that can wear against the pack and with abrasion and movement, um, you know, it can harm the fabrics for sure. So just use common sense there. If you have absolutely have to use a dumbbell, I would just wrap it in a towel or something like that. And secure that directly against the frame. But honestly, sand is your best bet or water softener. Um, guys do dog food. And honestly, that stuff's going to carry much more like meat anyway. So I would just look at more of uh, that type of solution. Something that's softer, shiftier that you can put uh, against the frame for that. Versus just strapping on a, a dumbbell or a bumper plate or something like that. Yeah, um, I just just go buy a bag of sand. Like they're three dollars at the yeah. hardware store if the store is open for you. Um, hardware stores are deemed essential, I believe. So just to go buy a bag of sand. Yeah, uh, for it, sure. It works great. You're never gonna beat it up yet. I've definitely seen over the years. I've seen a couple guys who've strapped a dumbbell on that was like metal, and and yeah, like just that friction, you know, could could cause some issue on the frame for sure. Um, on the on the materials. Yep. And then it comes up not super often, but just to address another question that does come up is guys who worry about uh, getting the pack super sweaty, stinky, nasty from training with it, and that's you know definitely a factor. So if you if you're training with it now and then you have a hunt in September, um, you know don't worry about that, but just maybe give it a cleaning before September before your hunt starts and try and get some of that smell out. So that's as simple as. You know, getting it in a soak, um, we found that cold water works best in general. You can add some scent-free detergent, you know, that you might wash your hunting clothes in, that type of thing. And, you know, it'll be fresh, quote-unquote, for uh, for hunting season. So that's just something to throw out there as well if you've trained in it a ton. Speaking of packs, another pack question um, that was sent in says, I wonder what your thoughts are on a pack for a younger kid, specifically early teens. Obviously not looking to load him down with significant weight, but to give him the independence to carry some of his items and grow into the pack in the future. Um, yeah, there are several factors here. What are your first thoughts, though, Steve? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I would say it depends on where the kid is. If, if they're, you know, 15, 16 and already like, you know, it, when I was 15, I was five foot 10, right? I'm you know, five foot 11 now. So I didn't really change much in, in height. You know, if they're already kind of old enough that not much is going to change, I, yeah, I just jump into, you know, if, if you want to spend the money, jump into a high, you know, high quality pack like the XO. Um, if they're 12 and, you know, they're five foot four and 95 pounds, you know, I'm just skinny little rail. I don't, that's a tough question. Um, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd probably just try to find some, you know, cheaper pack and, and just let them wear it for a year or two, knowing that at some point they're going to upgrade. I think uh, yeah, so much of that would vary on the kid, like how, um, like how tough are, could, you know, how tough they are in the sense that could they really even 
gain from a, a higher quality pack as far as being able to strap a quarter on and pack it out, right? Um, if you're just throwing, um, you know, if he's if you're bringing him long hunting and and they're just throwing uh, some back straps in the pack or something that weigh 15 pounds, um, you know, a school backpack would probably work pretty well for that too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I mean, you got your son. Mark, what do you think? I mean, he's uh, obviously he's not uh, of hunting age yet, but right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's several factors there. One is, as you mentioned, fit. Um, you know, are they in that range where a, a pack like ours could even fit them? That's obviously going to be a factor. Um, and then two is just you mentioned it, but what what are they actually going to carry? Um, you know, if they're not carrying significant weight. If they're, you know, maybe going to carry some backpacking gear, but not really pack out meat. like, you know, think about the level of pack that you truly need for the weight that they're going to be carrying. Um, and then I'd also look at it from, and this depends on the kid, but if you're looking at investing in a good pack, considering, is this kid even going to like, does he, does he have, is he going to stick with it? Like, is this a a passing interest or is this something where this kid's like legit gung-ho like wants to go out wants to do it for years or this is like a hobby or an interest that he's exploring so i mean i probably would start with uh you know either a used pack or more of a general backpacking pack that will fit him well and kind of you know do that for a couple of years and then see what interest they have see if they're going to continue with the use of it and if that's the case and if they're at the size where they're going to fit, um, then make that investment. So yeah, if he's 12, get something that fits him well, he's not going to be carrying a bunch of weight, start with something cheaper and more general just for backpacking. And then if he uses that for two or three years and has a ton of interest and is going to continue on, then maybe that's the point where you make an investment in something that um, can stick with them for life essentially at that point. So yeah, there's, there's no one answer there. Yeah, yeah. So I wish it was more cut and dry. It's just not. So um, my my inclination was just you know buy a um, cheaper hunting pack that something you'd find at Cabela's or something like that. You know, um, if they have one that's size small, like probably look at women's sizing. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough. One. Yeah, I haven't yeah, really I thought through that too much. Yeah. yeah, I haven't looked, but you know, I think like Osprey and some of those general backpacking. Um, they have a wide range of sizes, right? They're going to either have women's models. I think they have maybe crossover to youth models, but for sure they have a wide range of sizing options. Again, like make sure as you're doing that though, that there is adjustability in it. I mean, you, especially at that age, if kids grow on fast, you don't want to get them something that fits them now, but lacks the adjustment to fit them in a year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worth looking into for sure. All right, Steve, the other day we talked about specifically just the component of um, loading head and horns on a pack for a pack out, but we had um, a question that just looks at a pack out in general from a high level and packing tips. So the specifically says, what's the best way to load your pack with camp and weapon while one tripping out a mule deer? Um, so just thinking through all the aspects of that, right? So you got camp, weapon, whole deer, Obviously, we talked specifically about the head and horns the other day, but what comes to mind, things you've learned, strategies, things to make sure you don't do if you're packing that type of load? Yeah, you know, just if I'm, um, 
you know, I guess depending on the severity of the hike, uh, right? So uh, how heavy it is and how far I got to go, I'm probably going to slow down a little bit. As we've talked about many times in the past, like you can make a hundred pounds feel really damn comfortable or uncomfortable, just depending on how you load it. Doesn't matter what pack it is, um, that uh, loading it is going to greatly affect how it how it performs. So yeah, if I'm you know I, uh, a few years back, I was opening day a deer by myself, archery, killed a buck. I was man, I was back in there way seven something miles. It's all downhill, super steep downhill, and then had to walk out this drainage. Um, and yeah, I spent some time. I deboned that entire animal. Um, you know, just got rid of every ounce of weight that I didn't have to pack. Uh, sawed the antlers off. Um, actually, just cut them off at the base of the head. Never mind, I didn't have a saw. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, just really took my time getting everything loaded, nice and tight. Got, you know, got the preloaded all my camp gear in the bag kind of like we talked about the other day of kind of pre-doing all that before you start cutting into things and then um yeah just get that it's just really important just get that meat like you know about eight inches up from the bottom of the pack and as tight as possible to the frame um you know just nice and nice and high there and then i'm going to put the bag on as i'm loading the bag you know make sure that the heavier items are kind of up your um, kind of up in the middle of the bag, maybe even towards the top of it. So they're not sitting down there at the very bottom. So I'd, you know, put, probably stuffed all my, my sleeping bag and my tent, everything that's kind of light, uh, and takes up space down there in the bottom of the bag. And then the heavier items, you know, stove and food and things like that are going to be up towards the top and then get the antlers on, um, get, you know, it's really important then to take your time, get them balanced well up on top and strapped down. You don't want, um, the heavier it gets, you really don't want to be like, have something be loose and, and throwing you off balance, right? Uh, cause you're just going to be working that much harder to keep the load stabilized. And then for your weapon, um, uh, if it's a, a bow, you're going to have to strap it off the back of the pack. Unfortunately, sometimes, um, actually on that trip specifically, as I remember, I have a photo of the pack out. I just carried my bow in my hand, uh, one trekking pole in one hand and my bow on the other one. Uh, kind of a pain in the butt, uh, but at the same time, like throwing that eight pound weight of a bow off the very, very back of the pack, you know, it has a, a major leverage eff- effect. Um, so I actually prefer just to have that in my hand. And then for a rifle, I would throw that off the side of the pack. Um, if, if you've got our, our weapon carrier, rifle carrier, um, that, that's great. If not, you could probably still kind of like loop the side compression straps around and hold that there on the side. I think was it you or Jason on the caribou hunt? Oh, that was me. Um, it was a train wreck. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, we, it was when... So you killed your bull, and then, like, literally within minutes and within a couple hundred yards, Jared killed his bull, and then there was the four of us. So you and Jason were packing out your bull, Jared and I were packing out his bull, and I had a at least half of that. I think I had more than half of that, and I had stripped my rifle on the back off of the center um and man when we took off like you guys were cruising and i was i was in a world of hurt like it was just like this load's killing me i don't know if it's it it just felt totally different um and then resituating that rifle instead of having it hang way off the back offset back behind the meat it made a world of difference yeah yeah it made a yeah 
I remember you were kind of like, Ugh, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, this is way, way better. So, um, yeah, so I would, uh, you know, if it's like super technical terrain, you're going to want both trekking poles out. Uh, it would just depend on the situation. I said, and that one, I may have just had one trekking pole with me, too. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think uh, there, there are definitely hunts where I was just packing one or two. So, anyways, um, yeah, that's it, man. I, again, just slow down. Like I said, if it to me, it's like, it's going to be an 80, 90 pound load and I've only got a couple miles. And it's relatively easy, easy hike out. I'm probably not going to be as critical with things. Um, and it's not, you know, it, it's funny cause it's a matter of taking, you know, adding, you know, minutes two to 10 minutes at the most of just loading things a little bit, taking, you know, a little bit more attentive to detail. Um, so it's not like you're ever really saving that much time by just slapping the meat on and hiking, but um, you always, for whatever reason, when you're back there, you feel like you're in a rush and you want to get back to the truck. Right. So, um, it, uh, yeah, just take your time and again, just have everything nice and high and tight. You, uh, we, you and I had talked about, and we'll, we'll get this going. If want to like go through, uh, pictures that have been sent to us, sent into us and have like good versus bad, right? Like, and you'll start to see a trend of like, okay, this pack was loaded properly. This one, uh, not, not good. Right. You're going to, and you're going to see a trend of like the weights kind of sitting back and lower. Um, the hunter's probably gonna be have to like hunched over trying to offset that weight that is down low. Um, and then the, the next guy is going to have 120 pounds in his pack and just be standing there perfectly erect and, um, just happy. So, yeah, I don't know if you mentioned it specifically, but for guys who are picturing that as you're describing, getting everything loaded, you're loading your bag with all of your gear with camp before you're securing it over the meat into the frame? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'll basically, um, completely load the bag before I ever start. So like I, you know, kind of have to open up my bag, get my game bags out, get my rope out, get my knife out, like everything I need to cut up the animal. I'll even get snacks ready um, make sure like if I need some more water for the hike or say I've, I've got too much water, I'll dump some water out. If I got a full three liter bladder and I know I'm not going to drink all that, you know, I'll drop that weight right then and there. Uh, if, uh, <laughs> if you're Tyler Boshma, uh, when we were elk hunting, he was, uh, I get, I'd killed an elk. Uh, it's kind of just funny. He, he literally like, can't let food go to waste. Um, and, but doesn't want to pack it out. So then the night before I killed a bull and, uh, we, that night he literally like went through like three days of food or something like that. It's like, so he didn't have to pack it out, but he didn't like, you know, he wasn't going to like leave food on the ground or something like that. So, which I've, um, I don't think I've ever done. I can't imagine. Like leave food. Um, yeah. Like take it out of the wrapper and just dump it on the ground, you know? Uh, it's always two. It's always backpacking bars or protein bars that cost three dollars a pop or something like that. So I've never done that, but uh, it was funny. He was just mowing down on this stuff. Like I'm not gonna let this go to go to waste. I'm not gonna leave it here, and I don't want to pack it out. So, um, but I'll uh, yeah, I'll just get some snacks ready, get some stuff in my pocket. Um, gummy bears are the new thing that are just freaking amazing to have in your pocket as you're hiking out. Just pop a couple of them every uh, you know ten minutes. Um. And then, yeah, and then get the the bag completely ready to go because it's never, you know, especially depending on where water is relative to you uh, as you're cutting up that animal, you're all, you know, you're going to have blood up to your elbows and uh, just be all dirty. So it's nice just to like, get the pack loaded and, and out of the way before you um, really start cutting into that animal. So, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. Good. 
Awesome. Those are uh, good questions for today. We had some other ones that will hit on a future episode. Uh, <laughs> one of the questions that came through, you know, I'm reading this email and it's we're just reading it as a question, not in any certain frame of mind. And then uh, he gets to the end of his question. He says, hey, by the way, if you get an email entitled knock knock, whatever you do, don't open it. And I thought he was going to say, you know, it's a virus or something. And then he said, if you get that email, it's Jehovah's Witness. They're working from home now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. I had to share it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Funny. So, yeah, if you do have an email that you want to send to us, a question, topic, anything like that, just send us an email to podcast at exomontgear.com. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Hopefully, these shows are helping you uh, pass the time. Hope you and your family are well, and we'll talk to you soon.